Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Sarley and I'm here with my partner Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a lot of products and fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. Man, oh man, Daiwa. Take a look at their lineup. They cover all the bases. They've got every price point available. They have every quality level available. Spinning, bait casting. You will find something that you can afford and you can catch fish with from Daiwa, the best in the business. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check us out at our website. You can get the podcast there too, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is recorded in Northern Illinois at two separate locations. We send the audio down to our executive producer, Fred Nierman from Berserk Productions. He's in Lando Lakes, Florida. And he puts it all together, makes it sound as good as it does. Thank you, Bradley. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Uh, Dave is going to talk to Jesse Simpkins, the chairman of the board. Yeah, he's the chairman of the board. Not, the, not Frank Sinatra. He's, he was a chairman of the board, but Jesse Simpkins is chairman of the board of the American Sport Fishing Association. And I'm going to talk to our good, good friend, Mr. Ken Duke from Fishing Tackle Retailer Magazine. He knows more about the Bassmaster Classic than anybody should have a right to know. The guy is a walking encyclopedia, and I'm going to get to pick his brain about this year's Bassmaster Classic. Let me swing it over to Dave Kranz, who's going to swing it over to Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Have at it, guys. And as Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And once again, uh, we welcome back Dan Johnston. How you doing, Dan? Good, Dave. How are you? Good. Let's, uh, full disclosure, tell them where you're at and what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm in northern Minnesota catching bass on a swim bait right now as we speak. So this is the only time I've ever been in a hurry to get this over with. Okay, so <laughs> so if we're if we're uh, interrupted by him catching one, we've had several people uh, up and down the, the spectrum of uh, fishermen catch fish on the air, and that's not a bad thing. But uh, from ice fishermen to uh, pros that have just won tournaments or practicing for tournaments, so it's all right. So today it kind of uh, applies we're we're talking summer patterns and it's kind of hot up there already isn't it oh man this is uh, record high up here it was 94 two straight days humidity hasn't been that bad but uh yeah it's been really hot okay summer patterns uh that hot what are you throwing right now and what kind of rod are you throwing it on and why well, we're in cover. It's funny because most people would think when it's 94, they'd be super deep. But what drives, ba- we'll talk bass because that's what we're fishing for. But what drives them right now is the bluegills. And the, the bluegills and the perch are still shallow. Um, so we're fishing in two, three foot of water, even though it's hot out. The water's in the upper 70s and they're still super shallow. But it's completely driven by bluegills because they spawn right after bass do. So anytime you get around a bluegill bed or the right kind of bottom where bluegills spawn, it's pretty much automatic. Yeah, so the the bass, it was kind of bing, bam, boom, right? The bass came up, they spawned, they got done. There might be some fry garden, and the bluegills are there already. 
Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And, and, you know, some of them will pull, and we're catching some on deep ledges, but most of them are still really shallow. And then they'll go in windows throughout the day where you'll have to flip them to catch them, hit them in the face with it. And other times you can throw a moving bait, and they'll chase it like what's happening right now as we speak. What are you throwing right now? Right now I'm throwing just a, just a boot tail and a keel-weighted hook, and, you know, you can it'll ride uh, in the right water column and just a real slow retrieve, and they just come up and smoke it on braid you got to run it on braid and what's the rod you're throwing with that i'm throwing it oh i just missed one right here i'm throwing <laughs> this one on a uh on our new uh victory series actually i'm throwing it on a 7-4 heavy fast okay so it's kind of cool to to be able to play with some of these up here for sure 7-4 heavy fast and braid are, is that because of the amount of cover that you're throwing it through well, there's two things. The braid doesn't stretch because you're trying to throw it a mile because you're fishing shallow, number one. Number two, it cuts through vegetation. You fish fluorocarbon or mono with what we're doing, and you'll miss them all day long. You'll get as many strikes, but you won't get the, you won't get them back to the boat. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, another summer pattern is, is slop. I mean, it's it once we get that kind of temperatures, it doesn't take long for these lakes to get slopped over. That 7-4 heavy rod, that can apply to some of those slop situations, right? It's a multi-tool. There's about five baits we throw on that rod. One of them's a frog, open water frog or slop frog. You can rig a uh, punching rig, which is what we've been doing up here too. And then these open water swim baits. And the key is the you had the rod has to be able to throw the, the bait a long ways. It has to be long enough to pick up slack from a distance on the hook set. And then it also gives you the leverage to have a chance to get him in. If you had a six foot rod doing what we're doing, you you might land one or two all day back in the stuff we're throwing and that's about it i get it how about uh you know when they do go deep and they and they do in the summer uh a finesse uh presentation drop shot sometimes is very effective tell us about how uh we would do that well it's very effective and a lot of, like when it, when it goes dead slick like those spy bait commit conditions another great way to do it is a drop shot you know throw it out i was actually catching smallmouth on them a few days ago doing that and uh it's a real finesse deal uh, when the when you know the fish are there but you have to downsize the line uh, even downsize the weight and it's not drop shot in the way that a lot of people would think where you're dropping it down straight in deep water this is a shallow technique where i'm actually casting it okay all right so so you're working it back you're not just vertical jigging you're casting out you got an angle to the rod and you're working up at is are you dragging it or just kind of lifting it to a new spot or what's what's the uh procedure there how you work that the, the biggest tip i could give on fish fishing a cast and drop shot is you're fishing the weight not the bait so basically you're tickling that tungsten on the bottom and your feet your tungsten you can feel hard bottom with so it's a drag and a little pop with that weight and the bait's going to go along for the ride is what it's going to do excellent so shake shake the uh, bait not the weight you want that bait to be feeling that bottom and and that bait to be uh moving whatever you're doing with the tip of that rod you got it excellent excellent so uh you know uh many times uh in the heat of the summer and i've experienced this here on lakes and uh, when i've guided in southeast wisconsin july and august you know uh, june when it gets this warm this fast uh, you can do pretty well on top water over some some good weeds. Why, let's talk about uh, that a little bit. A hundred percent. You know, Dave, we talked about this a while ago. You get back into pad fields this time of year, and you hear those little pops. Those are bluegills up feeding on the surface. That's what that is. So, any type of like this bait we're throwing today, this boot tail swim bait. If you put your tip up, you can get the tail to kick out of the water. And it makes pops very similar to the sounds of that, like that one I got on right now. <laughs> oh, that one got off. Um, 
so I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. I just got interrupted. But basically, uh, yeah, and, and when they're in shallow water, especially in low light conditions, the top water works really good, but doesn't necessarily have to be because as soon as those, as long as those bluegills are shallow, there's a lot of ways you can catch them. Yeah, and explain a little bit about the punching you said you were doing. That uh, describe the uh, the setup for that. Well, it's braid, hundred percent braid, and then you have a uh, um, anywhere between a you know quarter ounce all the way up to one ounce weight, and then you you can either peg it or we use um, bobber stops, mm-hmm. and basically it goes right down through the cover, and that's the number one thing you got to make sure that it gets down, goes down like a missile, and they'll hit it. But it, it's only thing you can get down in some of those scenarios, and that's what's critical about it. The punching rig. The number one reason we set it up the way we do is solely to get the bait where it needs to go. That's the only reason why we rig it. And it's on braid and it's on heavy weight. And you're just basically trial and error on a million casts and you're not fishing it very long. It's pretty much in and out. And an extra heavy and what size hook? Oh, I'm running some sometimes all the way up to four out, five out, and it's always a real heavy gauge to a VMC makes a flipping hook that's awesome. It's got a little bait keeper on it where you can uh, rig pretty much any type of bait reason zoom z cross up here doing it but a lot of times i'll use baits that are actually hollow so the hook's just floating in a space um because it'll get down through anything but it gets through real easy when you're on the hook set so uh summer patterns right rod power and action what what why does that make a difference why what you know it is it because we're using different lines, different weight baits, or different different uh, type of hooks that's needed? What is the real difference on why we need a, a, the difference in power and action? I know it's probably a hard uh, thing to do while you're fishing when your lack of your concentration is waiting for that next bite. But uh, boy, uh, I, I'm sure every listener is envious of the fact that you're on the water doing this. That's pretty cool. It is. I've done a couple podcasts on on the water fishing since we've been doing this, Dave, and it's I'm off my skis because I, I'm getting bites and I get thrown off of what I'm supposed to say, but that's a good thing. But the rod we're using for the listener out there is dictated by the conditions. We're having to throw it a long ways. You need the leverage um, and you need the backbone. So power is how much load it takes to load the whole blank. Action for the rod bends along the tip, along the blank. So we're using heavy fast or extra heavy fasts because we need the heavy power to, to uh, marry with the 50 pound braid and these big heavy hooks. But we also need the length from a castability from a distance and leverage standpoint, but also when we're punching and flipping sheer leverage standpoint and getting their line at the right angle going into the cover. Uh, lately, the trend I've seen uh, Saint Croix making some odd length rods that that you hadn't make it, made in the past, rather than straight seven footers. Or, uh, I mean, there's some uh, quite a few seven threes out there. I mean, there's some different ones. What's the advantage to that, and and is that more customer driven uh, demand for certain baits? Yeah, it really is. It's a it, a lot of it is demand, but really we're all about the angler and trying to make anglers better. So a seven foot rod is going to flat out perform better than a six foot rod, for example, in the situation we're doing. So it's not as much about what our capabilities are as much as we're focused on the angler and making the, giving the angler the advantage on the water. And every single thing that we're doing today dictates a heavy power and a long 
rod, minimum seven foot. I'm using all the way up to seven ten today, and it just makes a huge difference. The number of strikes we're getting, the number of fish we're getting in the boat is pretty high. Excellent, excellent. So, uh, yeah, I mean, these some people want a rod for everything, and and that's really not possible anymore, is it? No, it's not, but there are certain rods that will cover more than anything else. And I would say on the bass side, you're, you're going to want to look at that rod that's seven foot to seven six, something in that length in a medium heavy to heavy power. And if you do that, especially when you're around vegetation and when we're talking about summer post-spawn, summer pattern bass fishing, you could, again, almost all the baits that we throw with the exception of light finesse drop shot can be, can be run on that, on, on that rod. Excellent, excellent advice, and uh, I definitely uh, appreciate you taking time out to talk to us while you're fishing, and, uh, you know, hate, hate to have you miss them because you're, uh, uh, you're talking and trying to concentrate on this and trying to catch fish, but uh, always appreciate the great uh, information that you give us, Dan. Thank you. Thank you, David. Talk to you soon. Thank you. That was Dan Johnston from St. Croix, the best rods on earth. I am Dave Kranz. Steve Sarley is remote. The Wheatfish ASA podcast will be right back. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn-out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the Weepfish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Today, I'm going to welcome back a gentleman that's been on here before. I always like to say that the people I have on this segment have a passion for the outdoors. And uh, Jesse Simpkins, Vice President of Marketing for St. Croix Rods, the best rods on earth, has that passion. He also wears another hat. He is the current Board of Director Chairman for the American Sport Fishing Association. Welcome back to the program, Jesse. Well, thank you so much for having me, Dave. It's always a pleasure being on with you. Well, I always enjoy talking to you. You got your uh, pulse on a lot of things, being the... Uh, uh, chairman of the Board of Directors for ASA, a lot of things going on there, and uh, Vice President of Marketing for uh, the Best Rods on Earth, St. Croix, a lot of, lot of things happening in the industry, and um, you know, you guys got something special coming up here on June 19th. Why don't, let's take an opportunity and talk a little bit about the opportunity for people to actually come to the St. Croix factory and uh, participate in the Customer Appreciation Day. 
Well, we're very fortunate and very happy to be able to bring back uh, an in-person customer appreciation day. You know, 2020 um, kind of forced us to, to change customer appreciation and it was all virtual, right? And run through our factory store website last year. And um, while that was great, and we gave great offers and opportunities for anglers across the country to, to, to buy and be engaged with us, um, it really doesn't do what we want customer appreciation to do. And that's celebrate our family members, the people who buy St. Croix rods, right? So for 2021, you know, uh, June 19th of this year, um, we're going to, provide the best of both worlds, kind of a hybrid where people who want to come to Park Falls and engaged in this community, you know, can come here and, 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 and you know, walk around with other uh, St. Croix family members. And there's seminars running all day long and we have uh, events uh, happening. There's casting. We're teaching people to cast, whether it's fly or bait casting or spinning or even spin casting. We've got a pond set up to literally teach people how to do it. And you know how that goes. You want to get people to feel comfortable and confident when they go out and fish. That way they're going to have a great experience and continue to fish. Um, you know, we've got apparel that we brought in just specifically for this day. That The designs are only for this one-day event. They're available only through, um, you know, uh, St. Croix, the, the factory store website, or being here on, uh, in person. And then to further kind of engaging our, our anglers and doing something special to celebrate them, um, we've decided to, to kind of lengthen the day a little bit, and we're going to have a concert event here um, starting at 4, 4.15 on that Saturday the 19th, uh, starting with Joe Booker, a great blues guitarist, right? And him and the top raiders are going to play um, for an hour, hour and a half, and then we're going to take a small break. Right, um, we're going to have Greg Stuby talk um, in between, and if you don't know Greg, um, look him up. He's a amazing American and a, and a great patriot, and a lover of Saint Croix. But then our headliner, um, and we're proud to be able to do this, is uh, UMG recording artist Tyler Denning, uh, Travis Denning, excuse me, is coming here to be able to play acoustic uh, set for us, and this is all free. Everything's free. We've got brats and, and drinks for people during the day. Um, it's just a great celebration of St. Croix anglers. And we're glad to do it not only in person, but virtual as well. If they go to the factory store website, uh, there'll be special offers there, rods, combos, apparel, right? We're also going to be doing virtual seminars from the seminar speakers. And we're talking Derek Hudnall. You know, elite angler. We're talking uh, James Linder and Jeremy Smith from um, uh, the Linder uh, media team. We've got Steve Heidig that's going to talk. I mean, we got some Blake Tollefson, uh, a little something for everybody. Joel Nelson talking about uh, summer panfish. Um, it's like I said, it's a great day for St. Croix anglers to come together and celebrate what it means for us to be a family. Absolutely. And I've been up there. I've gone through the factory tour. I was up there. Uh, I was actually a speaker for one of your national sales meeting, which I uh, enjoyed doing and going through uh, being there and seeing the way the rods are made. I don't know how anybody could buy another rod after they see that. And uh, I enjoy uh, the product. I enjoy being on the pro staff and using it and uh, having my guide clients do the same thing. But what an opportunity we missed last year because of the COVID. Now we're, we're coming out of that. And uh, 
I think people ought to go up there. And uh, if you've never been there, make sure you go for a couple extra days because the amount of lakes in that area to fish are, it's just phenomenal fishing. It's, it's good. And there's so many within an hour of any direction you go. And I'm sure any of the people giving seminars there or any of the pro staffers and probably any of the factory people that are there could give you a favorite lake to go and fish. Wouldn't you think so, Jesse? Oh, I know so. It, it, and Dave, you're after it's on right now. Um, the fish are, are, are biting like crazy. I have had just some spectacular days over the past week. Um, and uh, come up. There's, I live in Oneida County. There's 2,300 fishable lakes in that particular county alone. Unbelievable. That's a lot of lakes. So 2,300. Holy smokes. Being in the suburbs of Chicago, you know exactly where I'm at. Um, Northern Illinois, um, we don't have that many opportunities. We, uh, uh, But yeah, up in the great North Woods, uh, you do. And, and I think people ought to get up there June 19th, get up to the Customer Appreciation Day at St. Croix and uh, take advantage of everything that Jesse had told you about. Now, we're going we're gonna to take off the vice president of marketing hat from St. Croix, and you got to put on your uh, your chairman hat uh, of the board of directors of the American Sport Fishing Association. Uh, so many people have come into angling. All of them, the whole industry is uh, embracing this, loving it, hating it, fighting it because we're having a hard time with stuff. But as as uh, the board of uh, uh, the board of directors, everybody that's there, you guys all want every one of those anglers to be retained in our industry. How do we do that? What What do we have to do? What's the direction we have to go? Well, the first thing, right, is to think about um, the opportunities for these new anglers. Um, you know, we've taken away, or, or, or we were pro- instead of taking away, let's put it this way, we were provided an opportunity, right, to get these new anglers because they wanted to find a way to do things um, outdoors, either with their family or with their friends, that would still be considered social distancing, and fishing became one of those. So we were the beneficiary and given a great gift. Now, as manufacturers and as an industry, we need to do a few things. We need to make sure that they have the proper access and they know where they can go to go fishing. And partners like RBFF and our state partners, right, provide great opportunities for that information. We just got to make sure that we make sure the conduit to that information is simplified, right? Because once they know where to go, now we have to teach them how to use their equipment properly. And I know manufacturers from every discipline, whether it's rods, reels, line, lures, you name it. I've been uh, working towards providing educational videos and how-tos on their products just to make sure that people have access to know how to tie a proper knot, right? To know what a, a specific bait is that they need, why they would need monofilament versus maybe braid or, you know, a fluorocarbon. All those those educational opportunities are things that we've been focused in on here at St. Croix, but I would say the entire industry has been focused in on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then we've got a... Go ahead. Oh, well, then we've got a partner with RBFF, right? They are 100% our partners in the recruitment and retention. Um, you know, their, their uh, task is to go out there and make sure that more of the masses are seeing our message as, a, as an industry, whether it be for boating or fishing. And that has happened and it will continue to happen. And that, that's all good. And I think one of the other things that uh, 
we have to realize with these new people coming into our sport is, do they even realize that they need a fishing license to do it? And the the sites like RBFF and all the manufacturers, uh, uh, retailers, we all we all remind them of that and let them know that they need a license. And, and uh, you know, different states have different regulations, but it's pretty easy to do. Every state I think you can do online now and, and it'll walk you right through it. Kids don't need them in many states, under 16, under 18, depends on what state you go to. But uh, there was a lot of education put into these people, and, and we've helped them get into our industry. Now let's keep them there by selling them the experience and knowing, uh, showing them, because we do know how to make them successful and, and have a good time so they want to come back. Yeah, and, and you know, like I said, our state partners are in this as well, making sure that the fisheries are well managed and maintained, that there's, you know, the, um, the launches or the shorelines, Right have decent access for them because so many of these new people that have come in um, have gone to parks or to the shores of lakes, et cetera, to be able to fish. And they want to make sure that the experience can be good. So we've been focused in on making sure that the access barriers have been, I don't want to say removed, but at least made more accessible. Yeah, and I, I think uh, the industry has done a good job and I think we will continue to do a good job. And it was a gift, uh, Nothing was good about COVID, but many businesses suffered in our industry and many of the outdoor industries, bicycles, boats, all flourish because of the people wanting the social distancing, being in a social distancing, following the, uh, the correct guidance. And, you know, we're coming out of that and, and hopefully uh, nothing like this will ever happen again and, and we'll continue to, uh, you know, get people to enjoy our sport. I mean, we, we have a passion for this. We love it. And it's uh, an opportunity that we may never see anything like this again as people in this industry, manufacturers, retailers, reps, everybody doing this, the media part of this is all uh, uh, been given this gift. So let's, uh, let's try to, uh, to retain these people. Any uh, uh, closing remarks about uh, both your, uh, why don't you mention the, uh, the information again, real quickly about the uh, customer appreciation date. Oh, customer appreciation. Yep. Well, it, it is um, Saturday. June 19th, it starts at 7 a.m. And the, the sale part runs through 3 p.m. or so here in Park Falls. And then the, the event, the concert event starts at around 4 p.m. and runs through 7. Um, they can also uh, do this virtually at stcroyfactorystore.com. That's where they can engage in seeing all the specials, you know, from that standpoint. And we're going to have live seminars through Facebook Live that we'll be announcing this week. Um, and make sure they have an opportunity to, to view and see some of the same seminar speakers that are here giving them live. We'll be doing truncated versions online. Excellent, excellent, excellent. I appreciate your time, Jesse, for uh, being on the podcast as always. And uh, look forward to seeing you at ICAST in person this year. Absolutely. Thank you so very much, uh, Dave, and, and to all your listeners. You know, um, Fishing is an important part of our lifestyle and what we do and our business. And all of us are engaged in that. You know, uh, and it's coming upon us to make sure that everybody that we meet that has any inkling about going fishing knows that we're opening our arms to them. Excellent, excellent. That was Jesse Simpkins. He is Vice President of Marketing for St. Croix Rod, the best rods on earth. He is also the Chairman of the Board of Directors of the America Sports Fishing Association. I am Dave Cran. Steve Siley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back.
The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. You know, if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. I've always said that our next guest is the smartest guy in the world of professional bass fishing. He knows the ins and outs. He knows the history. He knows how it works. Uh, He's just got an incredible mind and recall. And I'm going to make the claim that I don't think there's anybody that knows more about the history of the Bassmaster Classics than our next guest, who is our good friend from Fishing Tackle Retailer Magazine, the one, the only, Ken Duke. Hi, Ken. How are you? I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks for the big build-up. I, I appreciate that. Don't let me oh, down, yeah. my friend. Just my don't. My wife believe those things. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, the classic. It's 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 the big daddy. You know, it's uh, it's huge. There doesn't seem to be another event in professional fishing that captures the imagination of the fans and the public like the classic. There have been many changes in the industry. What with uh, major league fishing uh, putting up big-time competition for the Bassmasters. That really hasn't taken the uh, shine off the apple of the Bassmaster Classic, has it, Ken? No, you're absolutely right, Steve. The Classic is still the Super Bowl of bass fishing, as as it was first called, I think, by Bob Cobb 50 years ago. Uh, it is still the Big Daddy. It's still the most prestigious tournament in the bass fishing world. Uh, the Red Crest, the MLF tournament, you know, they're, they're building that. But what they lack right now, of course, is history and tradition. Uh, as they gain some of that, you know, maybe they're going to make some inroads here. But for right now, the Bassmaster Classic is the Mac Daddy. Yeah. And, you know, you think about it, uh, Major League Fishing, their history is borrowed from Bassmasters. Hey, we've got Kevin Van Dam, winner of four Bassmaster Classics. What does that have to do with Major League Fishing? means they got a good guy, but, but he made his bones in BASS. Well, you're absolutely right about that, Steve. You know, it, it, I would argue... 
that uh, almost everybody in the sport who has a big reputation or who has achieved some, some, some significant level of stardom did it through BASS. The BASS platform is, uh, I believe, the only tournament platform that has ever created a star. Now, that may change one of these days, and people want to argue with me about somebody like a Scott Martin, who I agree is a star, but I think Scott did that on his own through television and through, uh, through YouTube. Uh, I don't even think FLW made Scott Martin a star. I think Scott Martin made Scott Martin a star. But uh, just about everybody else owes a debt to BASS, and um, a lot of those guys made their reputation in the Bassmaster class. Yeah, guys I- like Rick Klunk. I agree 100%, and I, and I definitely want to ask about Rick Klum, but I want to get ahead of myself. Uh, how many classics have there been? What number is this year's? This is going to be number 51. 51 Bassmaster Classics, and where is it this year? Uh, it's going to be out of Fort Worth, Texas, on Lake Ray Roberts, which is a about a 29,000-acre impoundment that is a playground for that uh dfw area it's going to be really interesting because kids are going to be out of school it's a heavily populated area of course um it's going to be warm the weather should be nice i understand they had a ton of rain in the last 24 48 hours uh so that might might dirty up some water and so forth but i think there are going to be some big crowds on the water and off for this classic so this is a, a heavily pressured public fishery for the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, is, is, this, is this something that they have like rental boats for the public? Would they shut something like that down for the Classic Week? I don't think you have to worry about uh, rental boats, but I think that there's going to be a, a ton of folks out there following the uh, competitors on the water. Uh, these are going to be local club tournament guys maybe who want to see where the the pros are finding fish. These are going to be just uh, angling fans who want to see their favorites out there uh, competing. But I don't think we're going to see the level of on-the-water spectators, perhaps, that we have in years past for exactly the reason you referenced a minute ago, and that is that, that Kevin Van Dam and Edwin Evers and Aaron Martins and Skeet Reese and, and those guys are, are gone. They're not fishing the Bassmaster Classic anymore. And you've also got to consider the fact that guys like uh, Rick Klon and Gerald Swindle um, did not qualify for the Classic this year. So that, that takes out a significant part of the star power. And, um, but I'll tell you what, I, I, by the same token, I think a guy like Brandon Palahniuk, it may have 100 boats following him when they <laughs> launch on Friday. I can't imagine that. You know, and... Uh... I said I don't want to get ahead of myself, and I told the truth for at least two. It lasted for at least two minutes, but let's jump ahead. <laughs> and two minutes—that's that's an eternity in the fishing industry for telling the truth. For talking to Steve, it's a double eternity when you think about it. I can't believe we're even still talking about the classic. Uh, I'm usually changed topics by now, but in all in all seriousness, uh, and not to be negative, people don't realize what on water spectators do to a competition and we saw this uh uh two classics ago in uh uh in knoxville tennessee uh and the guys don't like to complain about it but it can get really annoying to be a pro fisherman on the water when you've got that many boats following you and there's one thing about following somebody and staying a respectful distance away and watching 
But it's another thing when the boats are cutting in front of you, getting to a spot before you, running a motor over a spot, spooking fish, and people that are fishing that want to say, hey, I want to catch a fish from this spot that Brandon Pollock's after because I can show I'm a better fisherman because I'll catch a fish and he won't because I just burned his spot, you know? Uh, they yeah. don't They don't complain, but this is a reality in life, isn't it? It really is a reality. It's been it's been a difficult situation and a challenge for these guys since about the late 80s, early 90s. That's when you really started seeing the, the on-the-water traffic uh, impacting the fishing. Um, some guys are great at managing the crowds. I think Kevin Van Dam was the best in history. You know, Van Dam always had more boats on him than anyone else, and yet he managed to win four Bass Master Classics. Uh, he knew how to manage those crowds. And the winner this year, Steve, is going to have to be able to manage those crowds. He, he may not be able to fish the same area two days in a row. Uh, if he's lucky, he'll be uh, kind of under the radar on day one. He won't be a Brandon Palinick who's going to draw 75 or 80 boats, maybe more. Uh, he'll, be, he'll be seen as, as a, a threat to win maybe, but not a guy who's going to have a lot of boats on him. He'll go out there and have a good catch, and then he'll be able to fish the same water perhaps the next day. But, yeah, you got to be able to manage that crowd. And, and to your point about um, crowd management and crowd behavior, yeah, these guys don't like to talk about it because they feel like there will be repercussions if they if they complain or if they say something. And also Bass, you know, doesn't want them to complain about a venue or a, a fishery or a, a, a populace of anglers out there. But, but a couple of the places with the very worst reputations – just so your listeners can uh, can hear this from behind the scenes a little bit, are Lake Gunnersville in Alabama, and uh, also Kentucky Lake in uh, in Tennessee and Kentucky. Those places are notorious for for bad spectator behavior, um, and and guys who will come in and just buzz over an angler's water while he's trying to fish, or cut off an angler while he's working an area. And of course, even the guys who are trying to be polite can sometimes present a problem. If you're trying to fish a spot and you've got 100 boats behind you or even 50 or 25 boats behind you and they're all running their electronics and they're all, you know, trying to get as close as they reasonably can to see what you're doing and so forth, that can wreak havoc on, on the, uh, the, the water and, and the area where those bass are, are living and holding. That, that, that is absolutely amazing. And I appreciate your frankness on that. Uh, you said Van Dam was the best at managing the uh, the the fans and the spectators. What what did he do to oh, manage? Yeah. I'm sorry. What was that? Steve? I said, what what did Van do, Dam do to manage the the, the spectators? Oh. Well, for one thing, he understood that because of his great popularity, he was probably not going to be able to fish the same water two days in a row. Just knowing that uh, means <laughs> that you're going to approach practice and preparation a lot differently. In 2010, he won the Bassmaster Classic on Lay Lake in Alabama, fishing a small creek that had a, a bridge going into it. And, and Van Dam is, is just the, he's the best tournament angler in, in bass fishing history. But Van Dam used that bridge and that crowd to protect his water. He used them like a shield to keep other anglers out. He knew that once he got back in there and those boats crowded in behind him, that nobody else would, would reasonably be able to get in and out of there to compete with him in that water. And he used that crowd, as I say, like a shield. And, and that was that was quite impressive. That is great. That is absolutely fantastic. I think it is super. 
Uh, this uh, this classic, the 51st classic down in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth, 29,000-acre uh, lake. How is that size-wise compared to other Bassmaster venues? Yeah, well, you know, they've ranged. Uh, the biggest ever would have been, uh, you know, uh, Lake Michigan um, in 2000 that Wu Daves won. I mean, uh-huh. that's... That's uh, just an absolutely ridiculous amount of water. I mean, that's, I, I believe, something along the lines of 14 million acres of water. And then on the on the flip side, or on the low side, you've got Lay Lake, where I mentioned uh, Van Dam won in 2010. There have been a, a number of classics there. There have been, um, you know, I think uh, four classics there, and that's only about 12,000 acres. And you can have a tournament like the classic on a Lay Lake because you've only got uh, in this case, 54 anglers in the field. So if you have an elite series tournament or a, a larger field tournament, you probably need at least 50,000 acres to have good spread and to make it fish big, 40 or 50,000 acres for a field that size. But if you're going to go down to 54, you can probably get away with, well, 12 is on the low end, I would think, but 29,000 should be plenty of room for these guys to spread out and not be on top of each other. Agreed. Definitely agreed. Um, all right, that covers size. What about size of the field? It, it's 54 this year, but that's a, a moving target. Uh, why does it? <laughs> why does the size of the field change? Wow, what a great question. That's, that's probably a, a better question for uh, bass leadership through the years. But, but basically, I can tell you that the Classic started out with 24 anglers. And then it moved up to 30, and then in the 80s it got up to 40, and and in the last, uh, well, it's been as high as 61. In 19, I'm sorry, in 2003 when Mike Iaconelli won, the field was 61 anglers, which is too many. I mean, here's the problem you have though, Steve. Once you've once you've decided that that 50 is the number, or 40 is the number, or 30 is the number, it's really hard to cut back. It's really hard to make it a lower number. Because you're you're hurting a lot of guys uh, who who base their living on whether or not they they qualify for the Bassmaster Classic. A lot of the guys in the field have bonuses from their sponsors based on a classic birth, and uh, and and you also have a lot of companies that that may want to advertise uh, in association with the Bassmaster Classic, but they're going to be less inclined to advertise or support the effort if they don't have an angler or two or five in the field. Hmm. So the field has gotten larger. It's stabilized uh, in the 2000s in that uh, in that mid-50 range. But uh, I'd love to see it drop back down again. I'd love to see it be 25 guys and, and really blow it out and make those guys stars. Let me take a quick that'll break. Never, that'll never happen. Uh, I, if you say it'll never happen, I, I, who am I to disagree with the one and only Ken Duke? We're going to take a quick. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and come back with uh, Ken Duke, editor of Fishing Tackle Retailer Magazine, and a bona fide expert on the history of the Bassmaster Classic, and not just the history because we're going to talk about who's going to win this year's when we come back. I'm Steve. Uh-oh. I'm Steve Sarley, and we fish ASA. We'll be right back. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet AFCO's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. 
built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth, St. Croix. We Fish ASA is back. I'm Steve Surley. Dave Kranz is my partner, but he's not here. He's remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the Proud Industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I want to get right back to this, Ken Duke. So much to talk about. What's the purse on the Classic? What has the purse been historically over the 51 years? I'm sorry, Steve. I, I, I didn't catch all that. Okay, let me write this. Hang on. 14th. Um, yeah, sorry about that, man. Okay, Ken. What's what's the uh, what's the purse for the Classic? And historically, what has the purse been over the 51 years? Well, the purse this year for first place is $300,000. And it's been $300,000 since 2014. Uh, from 2006 until 2013, through 2013, it was a half million dollars, but it, it uh, dropped in 2014, you know, just economic considerations and so forth. Uh, when the classic started back in 1971, the uh, purse was $10,000 and it was winner take all. Um, <laughs> so if you finish second, you got zero. Uh, and it was winner-take-all through 1975, and then in 76, they started paying down the field a little bit. Uh, beginning in the early 2000s, everybody started getting a check, uh, though it was pretty modest for the lower finishers. This year, I don't have the number in front of me, but this year, I expect the total payout to be somewhere between a million and uh, a million point one. Yeah, that's a lot of money, and I know the anglers care, but you know what? I, I don't think the, the fans care anymore, to be honest with you. I don't think that they uh, they think it's uh, uh, not right that it's 300000 instead of 500000 Uh FLW had a million-dollar purse one year for – one or two years for their championship, and uh, that was a big deal at the time, but it went away. And you know what? No, Nobody talks about, oh, the good old days when they gave away a million bucks. The, the the it's not the money it's the, it's the acclaim it's the title it's the the trophy is bigger than the check when you think about it isn't it well you know the trophy is is a big deal but part of the reason the trophy is a big deal and the acclaim is a big deal is because it does translate into income both on the stage and subsequently with sponsors 
you know, if you win the Bassmaster Classic, suddenly you're in demand. Your phone is going to ring a lot. You're going to have a lot of people want to uh, sponsor you, want to uh, get your endorsement on something, want to have you come to their event and speak. So the Classic is has value beyond just the paycheck you get at the end of the event. Uh, but, you know, when when bass fishing is your livelihood and professional bass fishing is your livelihood, it's uh, it's disappointing that it's 300000 instead of 500000 And I think that, you know, you know, everybody likes to think, oh, bass fishing is, is growing like crazy. Well, it's not. It's absolutely not. That's not true. Anybody who thinks that's true is misinformed. Uh, bass fishing has its challenges, and, and, and they can be evidenced, I think, quite easily when you look at, at payouts. Uh, the payout, for example, for the Elite Series is $100,000 to the winner. Well, it's been $100,000 to the winner since the Elite Series started in 2006. Right, right. Entry fees and expenses have gone up. The payout has, ch- has not changed at all. Um, the classic payout is, is down from what it was 10 years ago. Uh, and also back when you and I started following bass tournaments, you know, if you caught the big fish of the tournament, you, you won a, a boat and a motor and a trailer. And, uh, and you could keep it or you could sell it or do whatever you wanted to do with it, but that was your prize. Now you're lucky to get 500 bucks <laughs> for catching the tournament big fish. So, you know, we can say it's not about the money, and I, I agree with that. I think the, the prestige is, is enormous, and I think that uh, the opportunities it presents are fantastic. And I think the, the feeling the angler must get from winning a classic is, is, is central to the whole, whole experience. But... Uh, the fact that the money is is not there like perhaps it was, or or that the money is not there like hasn't grown like you'd like to see it grow, that's a, a big deal. I, I'm writing this down for a future conversation, which which I hope will be soon because I, I just love talking to you. I uh, said, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, the the big fish will win you a boat. Uh, let me put this down on a list of topics. What is the sense of uh, giving a bass fisherman, a professional bass fisherman? A boat. They already have a boat. Uh, you're, you're turning them into boat salesmen. Hey, you want to buy my boat? For Pete's sake, that makes me crazy when I hear that. Uh, they, they used to bring the boats to the events back in the day, back in the 70s and 80s. And, and then the guy would, the winner of the boat would usually try to auction it off right there, right there after the weigh-in. Yeah, because how are you going to drive two boats home, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, nowadays, if uh, if a boat is a prize, and sometimes you'll see boats as prizes, what they usually give the angler is just a certificate saying, hey, here's what you got. You make arrangements to pick it up or have it delivered and so That's forth. A, and, and it's uh, a better deal. Strange, strange deal. But, but boats are not boats are not a prize very often anymore. History, uh, history of the classic. Um, there have been some great names that have won this. Obviously, uh, Van Dam and uh, the incredible Rick Clun have won the Classic uh, four times. An incredible, incredible thing. Uh, there have been a number of two-time winners. I don't think there's a three-time winner, is there? No three-time winners. But as you say, a number of two-time winners like George Cochran and Hank Parker and Bobby Murray, uh, Jordan Lee. Yeah, it's, Go, it's happened. Uh, look, at, look at all the famous TV guys, okay? And... And a lot of people think uh, that, that the TV fishermen are just that, TV fishermen, the uh, Roland Martins, the, the the Jimmy Houstons, the Bill Dances. But these guys were tremendous tournament fishermen back in their day, really, really top sticks and won a lot of money fishing. But none of those three guys have ever won a classic. 
Hank Parker has won too. That is absolutely amazing because he definitely is, is proof that he is not just a TV fisherman, although he's a great personality TV fisherman. Two classic wins, that's incredible to me. Yeah, Hank Parker, uh, you know, because Hank retired young, Hank, Hank retired after the 1990 season when he was uh, 38 years old. Um, he qualified, he, he fished professionally at the top level for 14 years, and he qualified for 14 Bassmaster Classics. He won two of them. Uh, he is one of the all-time greats. And, and Steve, you know, you talk about these guys, so many people who, who don't know these guys from their, from their competitive days, they don't realize these guys were and are the best. It's just that there wasn't the same level of money in the sport then that you could support a family right. uh, to the degree that they wanted to or, or spend any meaningful time with that family. You, it kept you on the road so much. So a lot of these guys chose the opportunity, uh, financial opportunity, and the opportunity to spend time with family over that that pro tour life, and they went into television. Now, Roland Martin has been wildly successful doing both. Jimmy Houston did both for a very long time. Um, but but these guys were the best, are the best. Anybody who thinks Hank Parker is not a absolutely fiery-eyed competitor has no idea what they're talking about. Hank Parker, uh, Kevin Van Dam was the next coming of Hank. I, 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 I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I, I think it would be foolish for us to try to guess how many pounds it's going to take to win. But, you know, in the last 10 years, the classic winner has broken the 60-pound mark four times. Uh, the, the numbers seem to be getting higher. Is that because fishing is better, electronics have gotten better, putting these guys on bigger fish, or is it just lake selection and time of year? It's absolutely lake selection and time of year, Steve. Uh, you pick a great body of water, you catch some breaks on the weather, and you're going to have amazing fishing. If bass, if bass's focus and interest was in having huge catches, they'd put the classic on Lake Falcon or 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 the Kissimmee chain here in Central Florida. They'd put it in February, uh, just before the full moon, and every record would be broken. Every record would be broken unless there was some really wildly unanticipated weather situation. Um, okay. But that's not how a classic venue is determined. Uh, a classic venue is determined by local support, by that community's willingness to pay for the event to be there, and by, you know, the proximity to things like an expo uh, area and a weigh-in area. So there's a lot more that goes into uh, choosing a venue than how great the fishing is going to be. As a matter of fact, how great the fishing is going to be ranks really, really low in the, the criteria there. Um, now, that said, I expect some good fishing at Ray Roberts. I was talking to my good friend Steve Price just yesterday, and he was telling me that there was a lot of rain, a couple of inches of rain in about 45 minutes there, I think, huh. yesterday. So I don't know what that's going to do to the, to the water color. I don't know what that's going to do to the water level. Uh, I don't know what that's going to do to their experience and practice, uh, but it's going to have an impact. And, and you, know, you talk about some of the better weights in the last few years. Uh, those were, you know, those were late winter tournaments, uh, March for the most right, part. Right, right. Yeah. Now we've got a, a June Derby. Um, 
you know, so, so it's going to be different patterns. You know, there's going to be a little bit of everything working at Ray Roberts this week, I believe. I believe there are going to be some guys catching them, flipping and pitching up in shallow water. I believe there's, unless the water gets horribly muddy and, and so forth, I expect there would be a, an offshore crankbait bite. It, it could be won any number of ways, and that's going to be exciting. Who's going to win this one? Oh, man, I was hoping we'd get through this segment and you wouldn't ask me that. I was getting uh, a little worried. We're heading toward the end. Come me, on. Give me, me three, give me three names. Give me three names. Okay, well, wow, well, now you're restricting me a lot. Um, Brandon Palnick. Let me, that's, that's the first name I want to throw at you. I mean, Palnick's come close a couple of times. Um, he puts a lot of emphasis on this tournament, as everyone does who's in the field. But I, I believe Palnick's going to win one, one of these days. And, and who's to say it won't be this one? Um, Dustin Blaylock impresses me. He is a, uh, a guy who always manages to bring five fish to the scales. Uh, I expect him to, to find some fish and to be in the hunt. Um, I think he's a really impressive young angler. Uh, Justin Kerr is out of Arizona, and he's an unknown. He's, he's an unknown by and large, but that's only because people, unless you're in the West, you don't follow that, those Western tours. But Justin Kerr has won a, a U.S. Open and he's going to be a real threat. He's not going to have a lot of boats following him. I, I, if there's an offshore bite, I'd look out for Justin Kerr. Um, Chris Aldane is a local. You know, this is a Fort Worth tournament. He lives in Fort Worth, so a lot of people are going to be, or a lot of people are going to be picking him to do well. I'm not sure he's on. I'm not sure he's on my short list. But a lot of people are going to pick him to do well. He should have a, a lot of experience out there. And then let me give you a, a dark horse. Please um, do. Keep your eye on Matthew Robertson. He is one of the. It's hard to take uh, your eyes off of Matthew Robertson, Ken Duke. What's that now? It's hard to take your eyes off of Matthew Robertson. Yes. When he shows up in the full length faux fur coat and uh, looks like a, a, a pimp from Starsky and Hutch, <laughs> it's hard <laughs> to take your eyes off him. He is a trip and a half, but he, he can fish, can he? Oh, he absolutely can fish. Uh, he's the huggy bear of the Bass Tournament Trail. And um, he is—he is really talented. I love his cap. I—I I think he should get into the market of selling those caps that just say "on them." Oh yeah. Buy yeah. the Matthew Robertson "on them" cap. Hey. Let me give you a rookie to watch out for, uh, and that's a guy out of Alabama named Kyle Welcher. Okay. This tournament is one shallow. This tournament is one really shallow, and it might be if the water is is horribly discolored from these rains. Then look out for Kyle Welcher because he's. He's awfully good in shallow water. Excellent. Hey, man, I, I only wish I was there this year. I'm taking this year off. Not going to be there. Uh, I trust you to be my eyes and ears down there. Uh, I always enjoy seeing you there. I always enjoy being at the Classic, and I always enjoy having cool. you on the show. It's been a long time since you and I have gotten to talk on the air. I, I'm really happy we were able to do this. Ken Duke, editor of Fishing Tackle Retailer Magazine and a true expert on the history and comings and goings of professional bass fishing, giving us in-depth details onto the 51st Bassmaster Classic coming up this week in Dallas-Fort Worth. Ken, thanks for doing it. I appreciate you being with us. Absolutely my pleasure, Steve. I will miss walking the floor with you. I always enjoy that. Excellent. I, I do, too. I do, too. Well, next year for sure. Thanks, Ken. Talk to you soon. Take care. Ken... Duke, that wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best started fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. 
like to thank today's guests. We had Mr. Dan Johnston with us. We also visited with uh, Jesse Simpkins, chairman of the board, American Sport Fishing Association. You guys got a lot going on. Uh, good, good dude, Jesse Simpkins. And then Ken Duke, he's with us quite a bit. We actually got to spend a whole half a show with him. Uh, I, I could spend a, a day talking to him. He, he is a genius on the world of bass fishing. He knows his stuff. I'd like to thank our sponsor, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing, lifestyle, and passion, Daiwa. Take a look at the new Tatula Elite Reel. You'll love it as much as we do. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. Available 24-7 wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check us out at the website, wefishasa.com. If you like what you hear, please let us know if there's something you'd like to hear us talk about. For somebody we should have on the show, please let us know that too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing! I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.